Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. I have a message for you guys, and I can't really, uh, first of all, thank. I mean, there's so many familiar faces in this room. This is kind of this is my hometown. Born and raised in in Huntington Beach, uh, lived here, worked for Hurley over on uh, Placentia and uh, 17th Street. I mean, I love this area, and you know, I see Daniel and Christian. Well, Daniel's from the Central Coast, and Christian now lives here. And I got Chris and Josie, and Jesse and Jessica, and Gus and Tommy, and my sister lives in San Clemente. You know, it's like Christina. I mean, like there's so many. People that I, I obviously, you know, if I didn't share your name, obviously you know I love you. Jason, anyways, I'm not going to lose that. But I absolutely love this house, and I love this area, this town. That This is, uh, this is definitely a very, very honored that I get to be here and pour into what God is doing in, the, in just in the last few months of what he's building in this house. And it's exciting. We are living in exciting times. And my message is that, is that we are living in some exciting times. Like, I, I hope you could grab a hold of this, that you would understand that we are, what season, what, what time that we're living in, and also that you would fall more in love with Jesus. Those would be my two priorities for this message is that there would be an anointing in this room to fall even more in love with Jesus. Because there's more. All right, we'll go. Let's make this a legal meeting. And let me just, let me, let me just read from some scripture. Ephesians 1, verse 13. In him you also. Boom, done. Message gone. In him you also. No, no, no. I don't know if you guys got it. But maybe this the side of the room. In him, you also. Uh, kind of. Yeah, it's about, about the, the first row got it. In him, you also. Okay, so just close your eyes for a second. I meditated just on this section of, of this verse for about three or four months. In him, you also. This is the gospel. This is ridiculous. In him you also. No, no, do you get that? Jesus, the Son of God, in him you also. Holy Lord! Does that not blow you away? Because it blows me away. I mean, let's just, uh, just another one. In him you also. I don't know, that's just... In him you also. I'm going to break that down. Maybe that's the name of this this sermon. In him you also. After listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Verse 16, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. And I'm telling you, I, I believe that this should be one of the greatest prayers and outcries of our church, of our generation. Oh, that didn't, you guys okay? Did I lose you? 
No, no, could you, like, like Paul is telling the Ephesians, I, I, I pray that you would have a spirit of wisdom and a revelation and the knowledge of him, because in him you also. There's, there's more to, to discover of who Jesus is. Okay. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I mean, this is crazy ammunition. These are dangerous prayers. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Does that not blow you away? So this whole thing, in him you also, this whole place of inheritance. So just a little... uh, commentary on on me I had an older brother named Michael who died at birth and I always would you know talk to God and say you know God wouldn't it be great if I had an older brother like would I be any different I'd be the middle child not the you know not the oldest and would my personality be different what would it be like to to have a, an older brother that was almost two years older than me and we we did life together like what would that be like and 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 I was preaching at Bethel on a Sunday night, and I was on the ground, and I was going to preach this message on how to become a revival center, and the Lord speaks to me and says, Chad, it's no longer okay to say that you didn't have an older brother, because you do. His name is Jesus. And suddenly, I get taken to Edison High School, where I went to high school, and I played basketball. And I'm back at Edison High School, and I'm in the locker room, and I'm hearing everyone go crazy in the gymnasium, and they're doing the, the, the starting five announcements. And anybody play high school sports or some kind of organized sports? Did you ever hear anyone? You played Edison? Class of 2000, baby. <laughs> Boom. So, 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 uh, I, you ever been in, like in a sporting situation where you've heard a coach say, oh, you're so-and-so's little brother? You're so-and-so's little sister? Well, you're on the starting five because your brother has broken records. Like I would hear that in the sporting room. I never got, I never had that directed towards me because I was like, man, what would it be like if I had another brother? But then suddenly Jesus says, no, I mean, God says you do have another brother's name is Jesus. And so with that context in mind, I mean, if you want to make this legal, Romans 8, 29, he was the firstborn of all creation. We could go, it's right after one of my favorite scriptures on the goodness of God, Romans 8, 28. But I, I'm, in the, I'm in the locker room, and my name gets announced, and I run through the doors into my high school gymnasium at Edison High School, and I see the banners all around. And it says, most points scored in the game, Jesus Christ. Most rebounds in a game, Jesus Christ. Most assists in a game, Jesus Christ. You know, like, like, you know, state championship, Jesus Christ. And I, and I'm running in, but I'm hearing my name being called, and I see the Father, I see the Holy Spirit, and I see Jesus, and I see all my community, and they're in the bleachers cheering me on, and Jesus is like, it's your turn. In him, you also. I mean, that's John 14, 12. Those that believe in me will do the same works as I do, and even greater works you'll see, because I'm going to be with the Father. And I'm telling you, we are living in a, an amazing time. The Lord spoke to me uh, in April of 2015 that we are on the verge of another Jesus people movement. And that you need to start studying the 60s and start looking at the correlating uh, trends of what was going on in the mid-60s and what's going on right now in our country. 
And so I began to study. I began to study the Jesus people movement. It is crazy. So with that context in mind, and I'll break down the Jesus movement for a little bit. I don't know what time it is, but okay, good. Jesus. Are you guys doing okay? I don't know about you, but I'm excited. And I'm sure it's looking that way. I'm really, really excited. I feel like I'm about ready to explode. Because when you feel something in the core of who you are in your spirit, and what God, I mean, I, last September I uh, was in San Diego, and I had an open vision of, of this door with no, no, there wasn't, it was a doorway. There was no door there. And over the doorway, it said adoration. And then I saw Jesus, and I couldn't really see him because I had to go through the doorway of adoration to get a better glimpse. And it was this deeper revelation of who Jesus was, and it was through the doorway of adoration. And I saw the church camping outside the doorway where Jesus was saying, come, come on in through the doorway of adoration. And I believe that we are on the verge of a worship movement that there's going to be sounds released, songs released that we have never heard before that are going to bring a spirit of adoration that's going to be a presence, that a dimension of God's presence. And if you study the Jesus people movement, I mean, it was, it was a, a time of innovation, a time of creativity. I mean, there were so many ministries that were birthed through the Jesus people movement. You know, you had YWAM, you had Lauren Cunningham in Amsterdam have a vision, and that, that movement has graduated over 3 million people. That's a, that's a pretty good fruit. I would say God was breathing on that. You know, you had Maranatha Music, you had Calvary Chapel worship, you had the Vineyard Worship Movement. All these things were birthed out of the Jesus People Movement. And I'm telling you, we are on the verge. We have an invitation where Paul is telling the Ephesians, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation on you that you would encounter Jesus and have another revelation of the knowledge of him. It's all about Jesus. I'm not going to, I don't like to dwell on negative stuff, but actually when I hear negative stuff, I turn it around where it it actually pumps me up. It does. Like I heard this report that in, uh, well, I mean, it was uh, studies were done in uh, Iceland that 99% of, of those 25 years and younger believe that God didn't create the planet. 99% of those 25 years and younger believe that God didn't create the planet. And to me, that stirs me up. But you know what? I want to go do a youth conference in Iceland. Seriously. Because I have such a conviction of the goodness of God that how can anyone deny Jesus if they just can encounter his goodness? If they can just taste and see how good this Savior, this friend, this Redeemer, this Restorer, this, 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 this big brother that fights for us. Because, you know, in the church, we've had a revelation of Jesus as the provider, as the healer. But have we had a revelation that he's our big brother. And that he's standing in the stands and saying, okay, I've, I've run my race. It's time for you to run yours. In him, you also. He's your big brother. Like, what do big brothers and sisters do? 
They impart wisdom. They, they, they give you, you know, through something, the experience and your developmental. I mean, if I was studying like, you know, with the big brother thing, I was studying uh, child development when you have an older sibling and how much it, it helps the development. And that's what we have. I mean, we've been set up for success because of in him, you also. So you have that with Iceland, and you know we're having interesting things in the church as a whole. About there's about 20 percent of those that grew up in the church in American church uh, that about 20 percent that grew up in the church ages 18 to 25 are staying in the church. But see, if you study the 60s, they were having the same deal. And what was being communicated in in that culture was, you know, rebel against the man, rebel against authority, rebel against the government, rebel against your parents, rebel against, you know, all your stuff. And you have the music and the whole deal. And then Chuck Smith is like, man, you know, and we're having the same thing. 20% were were, were staying in the church after they got out uh, out of high school. And Chuck Smith, who was a Calvary Chapel pastor in Costa Mesa, he was, well, he wasn't a Calvary Chapel. He was a four-square pastor. And he had about 60 people. But he saw this deal with, with his generation, this generation that was missing out in the church. And he was like, man, if I could just talk to a hippie. He was talking to his family. He was like, man, if I could just meet a hippie to just get their language. And so his son-in-law picks up a hippie, ends up being Lonnie Frisbee. No way that's a coincidence. Lonnie Frisbee tries to get him saved. He's like, no, no, I'm already saved. I want to take you to my father-in-law's house. He's a pastor. He wants to meet you. So they talk, they hang out, and they do a Sunday night meeting, and then they hire Lonnie Frisbee to be their youth pastor when they have no youth. And then the Jesus movement started. But what was Chuck like? What was he doing? I mean, I, I could only assume, but I, I believe that he was looking apart, uh, uh, you know, this epidemic of man. Uh, the church is not articulating the gospel in the language of this generation. So if I could just talk to a hippie, if I could just get around a hippie, get to know their language, then I'll begin to learn how to present the gospel. And that's what the Lord, uh, I had an encounter last summer where uh, I was talking with God, and God's like, I want to teach you, Chad, the language of heaven and how to articulate it to a generation that's never heard the gospel in their language. And so I have this encounter with the Lord again where the Lord says that my one of my greatest mentors will be my daughter. She's 20 months old now, and she is one of my greatest mentors. And uh, we, we were, it was about, I don't know, seven, eight months ago, we were saying hi for about 45 minutes. And so we, we, you know, I would sit with her. I mean, I have just like, she got three words at this point. You know, hi, daddy, dada, and mama. So we're like, so we, we got dada and mama down. Now we're just doing the hi thing. And we're like, you know, hi, 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 hi for 45 minutes. And then God speaks to me and says, Chad, the level that your daughter knows English is a level that you know the language of heaven. And as suddenly waves of God's pleasure, because I almost saw that as a rebuke, but the Lord's like, what are you thinking? That's not a rebuke. How excited are you and content you, you, you are saying hi for 45 minutes? I love just doing hi with you. Wow. 
I am so pleased the way that you could do 45 minutes of high. I don't think I could do high with anyone else for 45 minutes. I don't think I ever have. I never tried. But, but me and my daughter, that's one of the best conversations of my life. High for 45 minutes. And the Father in heaven is looking down and saying, I love just saying high with you. You got high down really good. I don't look at my daughter and be like, man, you should be doing sentences. I'm just so happy that she's got high down. God's teaching us the language of heaven and how to articulate it to a generation. The eyes of our hearts, understanding, spirit of revelation. To know Jesus, I feel like we are about ready to encounter another measure of Jesus and we have that place of intimacy and then we're able to give that away to a generation because that's true authenticity. Let's go back to Scripture. Ephesians 4. This is just Ephesians Day. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And I love this. This is, uh, this is the whole office. You know, it, you, you, <laughs> you have the office of the apostles, the prophets, the teachers. And I love it when people tell me that they're an apostle and they give me their apostle card and they have a T-shirt and this whole deal. And, and uh, you know, um, but anyways... It's amazing how we're starting to articulate and understand how to identify apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, you know, uh, evangelists, that it's, okay, hey, that person evangelist, are they equipping the church to do the works of service? Are they, te- are they, are they activating the church in evangelism? Are they activating the church in the prophetic? Are they, you know, all, that, that's one of the indicators that we can identify that person is in the office of a prophet, apostle, you know, uh, pastor, and so forth. And, and I love that, but that is really, I, I, I want us to grab a hold of that there, it gives us a pulse of where we're at in the church, but it, I want to just articulate where we are all going. Where is the designation of the church, and what is the purpose of the fivefold being established? Because this is super encouraging to me, and it gives us a little bit of awareness of where we are and where we're going. So, Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as teachers and pastors for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Awesome. That's the next, that's the next phase. We're about ready to start seeing this, a spirit of unity unlike we've ever seen. I've had a recurring dream every six months to ten months since I was 11 years old that I'm in a gigantic stadium or open field and I'm on the stage with hundreds of people. People have their banners of a, you know, uh, I'm a Baptist, uh, I'm Pentecostal, I'm Episcopalian, I'm, you know, New Anglican, I'm Vineyard, I'm Calvary, I'm OC Presence. And then we start speaking about the spirit of unity. We start speaking about how we're brothers and sisters in Christ and we want to bring heaven down to earth. So let's worship together. If you love Jesus, put away your, you know, your, do you get sprinkled by baptism? Do you like go into a jacuzzi? Do you go into the ocean? You know, only my way or the highway. We get all that stuff down and we're like, hey, let's just worship Jesus together because this is what we're going to do for eternity. 
And then suddenly banners start coming down and people start embracing one another. And we begin to go into this place of worship that I've only encountered in my dreams. And then a dimension of God's presence, which is unity that I've never experienced before happens. And I know that I'm going to be a part of a generation that's going to experience that. And so I love that that is the next place that we are going. And then the final place, which is amazing... (laughs) And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Holy Lord! Isn't that amazing? So we got this, like, you know, works of service. We're being equipped for the works of service. And then we come in the spirit of unity. And then we all come into this full revelation of the mature man, Jesus. There is more to discover of who Jesus is. How deep, how wide is his love? This is where we're going. There's more to discover of who he is. It's not a different Jesus. It's the same Jesus, but there's more. We've all had encounters with Jesus in this room, and there's more to discover. And so in that search of more, you sometimes get some weird stuff. And, you know, I travel around, and, and I only take a moment on this one, but, uh, but you know, you've got the, like, hyper grace, you got the, there, is there a hell, and all this stuff. And, I, and, and, you know, I'm like, okay, this is intriguing conversation. The only thing that I would say is, is why are we spending so much time trying to articulate the boundary lines of the outer courts to the desert. When we're supposed to be so familiar with the Holy of Holies. In him, you also, we get, we get grafted in to the throne room of grace and we get to go in there with boldness because we've been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. We are a new creation. I don't want to be familiar with the boundary lines of the outer courts, the inner courts. I want to be so familiar with the Holy of Holies. And that's what he's wooing a generation into. So, I mean, I don't get like, you know, as, as sometimes is, is intriguing the whole deal, but where, you know, you got the whole hell conversation and everything. But, but the deal is, is like, first of all, you need to understand just the way that our banking system works. If you want to expose the counterfeit, they, they train you to become so familiar with the real authentic currency so that you're able to expose the counterfeit because you're so familiar with the real thing. And I'm telling you, there is an invitation for us to become so familiar with Jesus that it's so easy to expose counterfeit theology. That is where I want to live, and that's what he's wooing a generation to live in. Jesus. I, uh, I've been married for almost 12 years, and it has been amazing being married to my incredibly beautiful wife, and we've been around the world together, we've, you know, traveled, we've done, we've done crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, I mean, just let me give you one let me just give you one uh, story of my wife. Our first time going to the movies together. First time going to the movies together. 
We went, you know, when you're, and I was 21 at the time. When you go and take a girl out to the movies and you're 21 and you're dating, I don't know about you, but the reason why I'm paying 30 bucks to get into the movie theater and buying chocolates, bonbons, popcorn, all that stuff is hopefully I get to hold this girl's hand. I don't care about the movie. I want to hold this girl's hand. Hopefully we have like some sweet nothings exchange, you know, where she's like, you look so incredibly handsome with the movie light hitting your face. And that's why I'm throwing down money. Okay? I don't know about you, but that, that's what, that was my agenda. And um, so we went and saw this movie called Bruce Almighty. And uh, so, so we're watching Bruce Almighty, dating for a few months, had never been to the movies together, and we're towards the end of the movie, and Julia leans in and whispers in my ear, and I'm like, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. This is what I paid for, the sweet nothings. And she says, honey. And I'm like, oh, right there. I'm done. Honey. I just heard honey in my ear. And she goes, honey, the Lord just spoke to me and told me to give an altar call. And so she's looking at me, though, like she's the prophet and I'm the evangelist. Like, like she got the word of the Lord and I got to carry it out. And I said, honey, I'm here to be your ministry team. Like, I'll catch them when they fall. Like, I, I, you know, like you, you, you just go for it. Like, you know, and so, so I said, I'll go up with you. I think you should preach the gospel and, and I'll go up to the, you know, the movie screen with you. And so we go to the movie screen and the ending credits is just starting. And she begins to, you know, connect the movie uh, about connecting with the Father in heaven that we're all, you know, made uh, in a place of connection and relationship and this whole deal. And she begins to present the gospel, but she feels electricity. I didn't know this. We're only dating for like a few months at this point. But she would feel electricity go up and down her body when God's all over. Her, and she has, like sometimes she just has to run. And so she, in mid-gospel message, runs out of the movie theater. And I'm like, my girlfriend just ditched me mid-gospel message like and so so I you know jumped in where she left off and I said if you want to know Jesus bow your heads and all these people bow their heads and um and I go running out of the movie theater looking for where where did my girlfriend go and she's got these two guys in the parking lot and she's doing this and I'm like oh she's prophesying that's what she's doing she's prophesying so I, I run over to her and she goes hey I see you in your bedroom she's talking to one of the guys and you have a black comforter on your bed. Next to your bed is, is a red desk. On the red desk are these four books. You're going to community college. And uh, you're going to go and teach English. You're going to teach English around the world. She described the four books. Then she described on the wall is a, a, a map of the world pinpointed in this province in Russia and this province in India and, and China. You're going to teach English in these places. And the guy's friend... These guys didn't come out of Bruce Almighty. They came out of Fast and Furious. They were just thinking about stealing cars and going fast. But, but, but the guy, you know, who's not receiving the prophetic word, starts poking me in the shoulder. Just starts poking me. And I'm thinking, what is this guy doing? And he goes, are you guys aliens? <laughs> and I started thinking about Paul, you know, we're, we're foreigners in this land, we're aliens. And I was like, no, that's fine, i got to translate and I begin to, I begin to, you know, think to myself, okay, well, I'm gonna, you know, introduce the prophetic. And so I begin to tell him, hey, this is the Father in heaven, the creator of the universe who created you, and he has created the desires of your heart, and he's the author of the desires of your heart, and he desires that you would know him intimately, the way that he knows you. Do you want to be best friends with the creator of the universe? And they said, yes. And so we invite them to know Jesus, and then we introduce them to our other best friend, the Holy Spirit. And we pray for them, and they go, we don't have catchers, we don't have lions, we don't have any. They end up 
falling out in the parking lot, and they start shaking under the presence of God very strongly. And somebody drives up and has their window rolled, and they're like, oh, my gosh, are these two young men having a seizure? Do we need to call for a paramedic? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. They just received some prayer. God's touching them. Do you need prayer for anything, sir? And he goes, uh-uh. He has the gas that takes off. So that was, that's my wife and the first time we went to the movies together. Um, and so we, we had our little girl a month before uh, our 10-year anniversary. And so we've had a lot of equity life in our marriage. And people began to prep us, you know, get ready. You're going to have this uh, amazing little girl, this Chad and Julia cocktail. Like there's going to be something that... That, that comes alive in your heart that's never been alive before, that, you know, they're, they're, you know you're going to be a dad. You've never been a dad before. Like, you're going to have this incredible experience. You're going to learn another language, which is true. All the parents, especially us new parents, we are learning a whole new language. And it's amazing. And so I was, you know, reading books. I was preparing myself emotionally. I, I caught my little girl. It was amazing. Best catch of my life. First fingerprints were me. And, uh, and so I caught my little girl, and I was not prepared for what was going to happen with Julie and I. That my wife bringing this, this incredible gift into the world, me being able to be, you know, as a witness, a coach, a supporter, but I'm not the one birthing this, this, I mean, like, you know, the last push, she had, like, the Braveheart scream, where, where I mean, like, the whole floor heard her, and it was awesome. You know, I mean, like, I love Braveheart, you know, like, it was just, it was amazing. It was Braveheart too. I mean, it was awesome. But something happened in my heart that I, I had so many experiences with Julia, but I've never had this experience before. And I found myself falling in love with Julia at a capacity, at a place that I've never loved her before. And I couldn't love her before because I never had that experience. And I'm telling you, I could feel it in my heart. My heart was enlarged. My capacity to love my wife was enlarged through this incredible experience. But no one prepped me for this. And I'm telling you, God is getting ready to crash in and have encounters and experiences with him that will enlarge your capacity to love him. Let me make it legal. We'll go back to Ephesians. Because it's Ephesians, Ephesians verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. How deep, how wide is his love? I know all of us have experienced a level of his love. But there's another measure. And it is what Paul is praying for to the Ephesians that I believe that we should be praying over us and our generation. God, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know Jesus. I know him, but there's more to know. 
And it's through experiences with him. It's through encounters with him. It's, it's through doing life with people that, that your heart begins to get enlarged, your capacity to love him. So just put your hands on your heart. We'll just do this. Just stand up with me. We're closing. Lord, I just pray for our capacity to be enlarged. Lord, that we would have experiences with you that would make us, that, that, would, that would invite us to fall even more in love with you. And Lord, that you would begin to teach us the language of heaven and how to articulate it to a generation that's never heard the gospel in their language. And Lord, I pray for ministries to, to begin to rise up in this time, that there'd be innovation, there'd be creativity. I mean, could you imagine the first YWAM base? Could you imagine the first time someone did, you know, Romans Road, or the first time that, that I'm telling you there's risk in this place, but God is wooing you. Ministries are about ready to, you know, go crazy right now. But it comes from this place of I've had an encounter and I'm beginning to learn the language of a generation and how to articulate and how to package it to a generation that's never heard the gospel. So Lord, I pray for new ministries. I pray for new expressions. I pray for new songs. I pray, Lord, for just creativity in this house. But a passion for Jesus. There would be such a passion for Jesus. This longing to know him. Friendship with Jesus. I'll never forget when I was 18 years old, senior in high school, and Jesus asked me, hey, Chad, why don't you like not date girls for one year and just date me? And so I just dated Jesus where I would take him out on dates. I would go to Huntington Beach and walk on the beach with them. And people would be looking at me at the fire pits and going, who is this crazy person talking to himself? Because I'd be going, Jesus, you're so beautiful. <laughs> Jesus, and I'd be holding, acting like I was holding his hand. I'd be like, Jesus, you're so beautiful. And I'm telling you, God wants your greatest value system to be in love with Jesus. Your number one priority, your number one on your value system is that, you know what, you got to be a little weird sometimes. Because you know what, I just love Jesus. It might look differently. Especially when I took him to dinner, and that was interesting. But anyways, Jesus was washing his figure back then, and I would have to finish his meal. But... But I pray for out-of-the-box ways of intimacy, out-of-the-box ways that you would have your own journey with Jesus and let that be a testimony, that there's authenticity in that because the world is longing for authenticity. Seriously, the world is longing for authenticity. But it comes from a place in, your, in, in the secret place of, you know what, though? I'm no, I don't care about my message to the masses. All I care about is this audience that I have to have with Jesus, that he is my best friend. He is my savior. He's my big brother. So, Lord, out of that place, Lord, I pray you would just wreck us. Out of that place, you would just fill us. 
out of that place, there would be another Jesus people movement. Lord, what you did in the late 60s, early 70s, do again for this generation. And when I say generation, that transcends age, gender, and race. If you're still breathing, because there's fathers and mothers in this room that you are part of the Jesus people movement. And you have something to give. Because if you're breathing, that's a gift from heaven. That's a gift from God. God's not up there with Gabriel going, oh my gosh, that guy's still walking the planet. He should have been home eight years ago. No, you got something to give. So when I say God's after a generation or in this generation, he's going to be having a generation, that's if you're alive. But we need you, fathers and mothers. We need you for those that have experienced a wave of God. And I'll never forget, just as I close, I'll never forget being at the 20-year anniversary of Toronto. I was with Heidi, and we were praying together, and I had this, this, this dialogue with God where I, uh, God was telling me, Chad, there's people in this room that weren't alive when Toronto started. And they're crying out, God, where's my Toronto? What an amazing time to be alive. So, Lord, just wreck us. I pray that you would enlarge our hearts. You would enlarge our capacity to love you. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to hand it over. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.